In August 1984, during an event to promote the fall television lineup, 63-year-old comedy actress Selma Diamond repeatedly mispronounced Miami Vice instead as Miami Nice to the amusement of the executives in the audience. Thinking there was something in the geriatric humor unfolding on stage, NBC ordered a pilot focusing on senior citizens living together in Miami. On Saturday, September 14, 1985 at 9 p.m., the Golden Girls premiered at number one with a 43 share reaching an estimated 21.5 million homes. It stayed in the top 10 for six consecutive seasons, earning 68 Emmy nominations over 180 episodes, but it all started with a pilot. If you were born in the last century, there's a strong likelihood that television formed some foundational element of your cultural knowledge that you take for granted. And as weird as it is to think, there was a time when audiences not yet met Sam Diane, Clifford Norm, Gordon from Melmac, or Alex B. Keaton. Welcome to Who is Piloted in this podcast, where we discuss and watch the episodes that introduce these characters to the world. Welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. My name is James, and my co-host here is my wife, Gretchen. Hello. Hello. We're trapped in our house with nothing else to do, so here comes a podcast. Um, today we watched the first episode of The Golden Girls. We'll talk about that a little bit, but first, we're going to talk about our beer. Today's beer is brought to you by Three Notch Brewing Company. It's Big Slice Juicy IPA. Juicy IPA. Um, no sponsorship here, of course. This is just something we bought and we're going to drink. So we're going to dig into this a little bit here while we talk about this show. Starting off, Gretch, what's your relationship with the Golden Girls? Like, you know... It's long and complicated. <laughs> Were you always? Did you watch it first run? Yes, um, I remember actually watching it with Nan, my mom's mom. Um, not often because she lived in Delta in PA, but uh, I remember a couple of times like watching it with her, and she would be just like cracking up, laughing, and of course I didn't get a lot of the jokes because I was little, but. Uh, yeah, then just like watching it as I got older and then now in syndication 30 years later. Um, we actually just watched the pilot and I realized I watched it two weeks ago, but I didn't know it was the pilot. So, yeah. Long. So uh, just right off the top of the bat, I mean, I, one of the reasons why we started this show was that I think it's really interesting how a pilot can differ from the um, regular season of a show. It's kind of like the first offering and they have to figure out what they're going to do, how they do things. And um, Notable thing about the pilot, there's an extra character. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. His name is Coco. 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 What's that? Enchiladas Rancheros. Why don't you just shoot me? <laughs> so I prepared some general facts and trivia here. Um, Coco, I don't know if you actually recognized him, uh, but uh, the actor's name is... Charles Levin, uh, who played the Moyle. Oh, shit. In Seinfeld. Correct. Compose yourself. This is a bris. We're performing a bris here, not a burlesque show. God. He really aged. He, well, we'll get to that, too. Um, and he porked. So Charles Levin was written into the show because um, 
Brandon Tartikoff, who was a legendary NBC studio head, thought that for, well, the original show premise was three women. So he thought three women living together was just a little too much for America. So they needed a male character. Um, He was a fan, apparently, of Charles Levin specifically, and asked that he be written into the show as a gay character based on something that he played, I believe, on Hill Street Blues. Hmm. But what happened was um, the character for Estelle Getty was such a hit with fans, with the test audiences and everything. And I believe even during uh, production of the show with the writers, they actually redirected some of his lines to her. Hmm. So, so they just axed him, axed him completely. He got the cut. Got hmm. the cut completely. Peace out, Coco. So then there's the sadder part. Um, so uh, Charles Levin passed away last year. He was driving around in Oregon, got his car stuck on a um, unmaintained a woodland road. Mm went out looking for help and fell down a ravine and died. Jesus. That fucking sucks. And I just said he was fat. But he was great as the moil. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So, couple of weird facts. Um, Golden Girls. Uh, very, very successful show. Mm-hmm. Over, I, th- I think, eight season run. 68 Emmy Awards. Uh, won, I think, 11. It was... Um, the number one show in its time slot when it premiered. It uh, was part of the leading edge that brought NBC back. So NBC had not been doing well. It uh, didn't stay with Saturday, though, I don't think, right? Because I feel like it was Thursday. It became Thursdays, but maybe I'm wrong. I actually don't know. And I thought it was really interesting that the Golden Girls was the lead-in show for 227. They uh, premiered the same night. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I definitely watched 227, but I don't remember them like being back to back. I don't know. So the show was a uh, revolutionary of course for uh, featuring older women. Um, at that point, I believe almost everybody was in their fifties, which really isn't old. I, mean, I think they were sixties, mm-hmm. weren't they? A couple of them were in their fifties. Oh, but I think in the show they were supposed to have been in their sixties. Right, I mean, right. Huge lineage of course in the cast. So, um, some interesting things about it. Um, so, there, oh, we never got back to this beer, though, by the way, just oh, real quick. Go it's ahead. pretty good. <laughs> anyway, I just took my first sip, so I fi- I figured we should. Uh... <laughs> I'm sure everybody was, you know, it was a big cliffhanger. <laughs> so just waiting, waiting to see how that beer <laughs> to was. let everyone know. Um, okay, so. The comedy writing team went and asked uh, Susan Harris to write the pilot. So Susan Harris wrote... Um, Benson and Soap, a couple other things. She wrote a lot of famous episodes of TV shows, um, but she created Benson and Soap. So she uh, had kind of bounced in and out of writing, um, had some issues with chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, but she thought this sounded like a really interesting thing to write. So she jumped on it, wrote the pilot, wrote originally the character of Dorothy as a B. Arthur type. What the hell does that mean? That means she thought of B. Arthur when she was writing the role. Uh, oh, okay. But Brandon Tartikoff, who was the president, I think the president of NBC Entertainment, which was like programming back then, he did not think that she was right for the role. He didn't find her very likable. 
Um, there were some legacy issues kind of hanging around with um, the show Maud, surprisingly mm. enough. Like Susan Harris had written an episode of the show Maud that centered on abortion that was very controversial wow. for its time, starring B. Arthur. So um, they actually were going in a different direction. And Elaine Stritch was the pick for Dorothy. And if you look up, if you Google Elaine Stritch, you'll go, oh, that's her. But apparently she completely bombed her audition. She came in, she tried to start ad-libbing to make everybody comfortable. She dropped an F-bomb and everybody said, nope, not her. Get out of here, Elaine. So they decided to retool. Um, They convinced uh, all the executives, Brandon Tartikoff, et cetera, that B. Arthur was the right person for the role it ended up being rue mcclanahan that had to convince her to take the role Mm. Uh, yeah it would have um definitely been it would have been a whole different show without her she was such a sarcastic like just yeah (laughs) oh it is wonderful dating in miami all the single men under 80 are cocaine smugglers (laughs) well not only that apparently they all didn't really get along that well Oh, really? It seems like nobody got along with B. Arthur. So, excuse me. The only reason why the show actually lasted. (laughs) So the show was going to end after five seasons. the burps. The show was going to end after five seasons because B. Arthur wanted to leave, but they somehow convinced her to do another two seasons. So I think it went to seven total seasons. But basically she was not very easy to get along with. Um, There were rumors that she was an alcoholic. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah, they didn't hang out outside of the show. Wow. Well, and I do have a really cool picture that I found the other day. I was going through pictures on my phone and I found one of Rue McClanahan and Betty White and B ain't in it. Ain't in it. A couple of weird other facts here. Estelle Getty. Oh, that's good. I showed James the picture of Rue and Betty. Yes, what about Estelle? So as we, we kind of touched on before, um, she ended up basically stealing the role away from Coco because she was uh, a big hit with sarcastic line delivery. Can I get something to eat or is the fancy man in the kitchen? <laughs> she was one year younger than B. Arthur. Yeah, she was actually the youngest one in the cast, which is funny, but she, was, she played the, the oldest yeah. cast member. And so they, it took her about 45 minutes to an hour to get makeup done. Yeah, they had to make her look like a legit geese. <laughs> An LG. She ended up developing severe stage fright later on in the show. Huh. Uh, she basically had what we call today imposter syndrome, where she believed that she didn't deserve to be on a show with comedy giants like Betty White and Rue McClanahan and B. Arthur. So she would start having panic attacks the closer she got to taping Hmm. to the point where they would have to, in some cases, use cue cards or tape her lines to pieces of furniture for her to be able to remember her lines. Um, Also very interesting between seasons one and two, she went and got a facelift. So. They, then they still had to probably slap even more makeup on Well, the face. makeup department was like, oh, man. Making our job harder. We're already trying to make you look old. Uh, a couple other weird facts here. Rue McClanahan had a clause written into her contract where she got to keep all the clothes. Wow. 
All the she clothes did have were custom cool made. Outfits. So she had <clears throat> closets and closets and closets of clothing. Oh, now this is an interesting one. So originally, Jesus, you took a lot of notes. Betty White and Rue McClanahan were supposed to play the opposite part. We can't afford to buy a house. What do we have for collateral? A gay cook? Oh, come on, Rose. Nobody is getting married. Oh, God, no, that would not have worked. So Betty White was supposed to be like the salacious, uh, man-hungry southerner. And Rue was supposed to be a, you know, aw shucks, Midwestern character. Yeah. No, that wouldn't have worked. So the, the director of the pilot said, because they had played similar characters on other shows, they said, why don't you guys switch roles? Give that a try. And it stuck. Hmm. So this one's fun. Refinery29, mm-hmm. that website, yeah. So they calculated all of the uh, men that the women believed to had hooked up with. And then over the course of the 180 episodes, their conclusion was that Rose slept with 30 men. Jesus, Rose. Dorothy slept with 43. Sophia slept with 25 and Blanche slept with 165 men. (laughs) Wow. Um, That's a lot of men. That's a lot of men. (laughs) Today it's viewed as a very, very forward thinking show. Um, One of the first shows to ever deal with HIV. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the first shows to um, prominently feature um, gay and lesbian. I mean, they're fucking pilot. They had a gay guy living with them in well, 85. Yeah. They wrote him out though. I know, but still they tried. <laughs> and he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't a giant flaming right. stereotype. He, exactly. I don't know what they would have done with that character, but yeah. So, um, very, very progressive. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is even, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but it was even said that princess Diana and Freddie Mercury would watch the show together. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, show generated three spinoffs. Yeah. Ew. They had a weird one. I don't remember what it was, but they were like in working in some hotel or something. It oh, sucked. wait. You're talking about the Golden Palace when B. Arthur you finally literally be- became an expert on all this shit this afternoon, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So when B. Arthur finally <laughs> decided she was done with the show, she was like, I'm out. They wanted to keep the show going. All the other actors, all of them wanted to keep going, except for, yeah, Acti, except for B. Arthur. So very strangely, B. Arthur, I think, gets married and leaves, and then her mother ends up living with her two friends. So they all move in, they buy a hotel. So that is the Golden Palace. Wasn't the guy from Mannequin in it? (laughs) Not the guy from Mannequin. However, (laughs) the two people that worked at the hotel that they inherited you know, basically by buying this hotel. So the two employees that were already there were Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong uh, and Don Cheadle. Yeah. So that lasted one season. B. Arthur came back for a couple of guest spots, but it was canceled. Two other sitcoms were spun off from the show. Wait, I know one was Empty Nest. Empty Nest, a backdoor pilot. I watched the shit out of the Empty Nest. You were the person. <laughs> I don't remember why it spun off because he was a neighbor of theirs or something. He was a neighbor. Okay, yeah. I loved Empty Nest. And the concept of Empty Nest was that 
God, I don't even know what the t- we're talking. We're a plus fifty the year old man lived with his I his, think two, with his two daughters, his two adult daughters left home and then oh, came back. Yeah, okay. One was a train wreck. I remember. I I don't remember a lot. I just remember I really liked that show. What was the other spinoff? The other spinoff was a show called Nurses, which was a spinoff of Empty Nest. Wait, with one of his daughters. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So another fun part about the show, notable guest stars. So there are a lot of notable guest stars that came through. Pray tell. <laughs> um, so right off the top, Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino plays a Elvis impersonator. Pre-cocaine um, he, days. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but he, he's in the background with a bunch of other Elvis impersonators. There's a very young Mario Lopez. Mm. Um, George Clooney is on an episode. Yep. Uh, there is the actor Kevin McCarthy, known for this line. The ghoulies have no dicks. <laughs> so if you want to watch Ghoulies 3, apparently he was nominated for an Academy Award for something. I don't know. Not Ghoulies not 3. Not for Ghoulies. Um, let's see. Who else? We had Dom Herrera, comedian Dom Herrera. You don't know who that is, but he's funny. Uh, Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis. Uh, Wait, what did she play? Well, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kiley and Camp Beverly Hills. She, play? she plays a, a Girl Scout. Hmm. And she just pops up. I wonder if it was around the time. Oh, I think she she just showed up at their door. Yep. You got it. So some other people, uh, Mickey Rooney, Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, Harry Shear plays um, George Bush only in voice. Yep. I saw that one the other day, too. Martin Mull, Sonny Bono, Cesar Romero, Debbie Reynolds, Peter Graves, Fred Willard. I don't, you probably don't know some of these names. Um, mm. uh, Terry Kaiser. You know who Terry Kaiser is? No. Who the He's fuck Bernie. is it? Bernie who? From Weekend at Bernie's. <gasps> who did he play? I don't know. Not Bernie. It would be pretty cool if he totally like played Bernie... That's all I got. Yeah. Um, Alex Trebek, Merv Griffin, and Leslie Nielsen. Mm, the Niels. So, Gretchen, are you a sports fan? Nope. No. Okay. So, in football... I think you knew that, though, because we've been married for The audience years. doesn't know that. So, in, in football, there's this concept of a coaching tree. Um, are, are you familiar with that? Nope. Okay. So, it's basically like a lineage... It just says like this, this coach worked under this coach. And then as they, you know, go into their careers and become more successful and get head coaching jobs, you sort of have this tree where this guy worked with this guy, worked with this guy. And like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but yeah. for sports. Well, so what's funny about this is, is if you look at writing and, and or is it seven degrees, how many degrees? Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. It was seven. So if you look at writing, there's a similar effect. So, um, some notable writers came out of the Golden Girls family. Of course, starting off with Susan Harris, who wrote the pilot and kind of created the show. Um, she created Soap and Benson, um, went on to do some other stuff. But um, other writers that worked on the show include Christopher Lloyd, who was not in Back to the Future. He's the guy that created Modern Family. Hmm. You have Mitch Horowitz, 
Um, I just butchered that. Mitch Hurowitz. Hurowitz. I don't think he's listening. He won't be offended. No, he's not. What did he do? Arrested Development. Created Arrested Development. Um, Barry Fanaro, who wrote the movie Kingpin. Don Rio, who created Blossom. Ah, I watched that shit. Uh, John Larroquette show, My Wife and Kids. Um, let's see, you got Mark Cherry, who created Desperate Housewives. And then Tom Whedon, who is notable. I mean, it's kind of a dumb thing to be notable for um, that person's sort of self-fulfillment. So. <laughs> but he's the father of Joss Whedon. Uh, so that's fun. So that's fun. So Are we that, having fun? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, what did we learn about Golden Girls? Well, we learned it's it was very ahead of its time. Um, they were some feisty broads who kind of hoarded out. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Even Sophia got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Gretchen um, does not listen to a lot of podcasts. So no, she, I don't know what the fuck's... I, I'm... Yeah. So, I mean, she's not familiar with the the self-promotion aspect of it. Sorry, I just pumped the mic. Um, the self-promotion aspect of it is, you know, in, in a podcast, traditionally you end the episode with um, ways that your fans can connect with you. So I'll just, I'm going to go ahead and go first. You um, can give us a call. No. No. Yeah, if anybody wants to uh, give me a follow on Twitter, it's at James Barnes. I'll be making an appearance um, on our couch tomorrow, um, <laughs> probably the day after, and then the day after that also. So, Gretchen, where can people find you? I don't think they're going to want to find me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we got, I think, for our listener. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Kel. That's me. Your okay. Aunt Kelly, she's the only person that she might listen. She probably doesn't even know about this. She won't know well, about it. Well, she won't know about it until we tell her. Okay. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kel. You've been great. Bye, guys. Thank you for being a friend. Folks, thanks for enduring this podcast. The Golden Girls was produced by Wit Thomas Harris Productions in association with Touchstone Television. The theme song was written by Andrew Gold. All copyrights are the property of the Walt Disney Television Corporation, who will not return our emails with regards to obtaining a proper copyright clearance for this. So if you like this podcast, please follow us on Twitter at uh, whatever we pick as a Twitter name, because we haven't done that yet. Um, Subscribe on your favorite podcast service. I don't know. We might be out there. We might not. Leave us a review. That's what people say to do. I'm not sure if that's what we want you to do or not. Also, um, if you're feeling frisky, you can call us on the phone, like a telephone phone call and leave us a message at 323-NET-INFO and tell us what we should watch next. And next week, try and join us when we review Small Wonder, I guess that's what we're doing next week. I mean, it's not like you have anywhere to be. You're going to be on your couch. We know. I'm looking at you, Kel. Looking at you.